Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. I'm Tyler Dunn. Thank you so much for making this podcast part of your day, part of your life, wherever, however you listen. Uh, we're on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, powered by Blue Wire, and of course, our friends over at Hamburg Brewing Company. So, yeah, I think that this is a good opportunity to just give everybody a sense uh, for a new feature we have at golongtd.com. So, for our paid subscribers at the newsletter, we are starting up a regular mailbag segment. So just want to give everybody a chance to let their voice be heard. Let us know what's on your mind. Anything when it comes to pro football, heck, we can talk Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills, New York Giants, the league at large. Maybe there's a free agent, a draft pick, somebody, something that changed this offseason that has caught your eye. I mean, anything's on the table. So, you know, let me know and I'll do my best to reach out to people around the league and find some answers for you. So we'll make it as interactive as possible. Again, it's going to be for our paid subscribers to go along td.com. So if you're on our free list and you're thinking about maybe upgrading to a subscription, maybe this brings you aboard. We're always trying to build that sense of community over at the newsletter. Um, and also what we'll do is talk about the mailbag, kind of in a, an abbreviated version here on the podcast to give you a sense for what you might be missing over there. So we had several, several inquiries. Gosh, I think our, we, we got into four or 5,000 words on the replies, tried to my best to answer your questions. Uh, we'll get into one of those questions here on the podcast, but um, in the first mailbag, we discussed the New York Giants quarterback plan, which we'll get into that here on the pod. Uh, Green Bay, that off season, I think it surprised a lot of people and, and, and still is surprising a lot of people. It's obviously a subject for talk radio, podcasts, a lot of words. 
being written, a lot of words being said, a lot of angst when it comes to lack of weapons for said quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know. I think that uh, they're just trying to win a new way, as we've discussed on here. So got into that a little bit. We had a question on what type of leader Aaron Rodgers is. Devontae Adams, gone. Marquez Valdez-Scandling, gone. What does that mean when it comes to the leadership of the quarterback? We touched on that. We had a great question on the market value of running backs and if rookies should fight for guaranteed money when they go pro. I get it. It's a great question. I mean, this is a devalued position yet. You're carrying the ball, touching the ball as much as anybody on the field. You, you, you really decide wins, as, wins and losses as much as anybody on the field yet. You're, you're underpaid. You're lucky to even get to that second contract. What does that mean? Market value wise for that position? I reached out to an agent who, uh, has a had a running back drafted fairly highly a year ago, and I thought his comments were were quite telling. Let's see what else did we get into gambling in the NFL? I, I think that yeah, it's not just wins and losses, right? I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's prop bets. It's literally being able to bet on anything at any given moment in an NFL game. I caught up with one assistant coach who has a problem with that and is quite concerned about what that could do to the purity of the product that we see. Week in and week out. So yeah, to get everything, you can subscribe, golongtd.com. And if you have a question, send it to golongtd at gmail.com or just leave it in the comment section somewhere and I'll find it and we'll answer it next week. So, all right. On the podcast, we'll get into Thomas's question at length a, a little bit more. He asks, hello, Tyler. I hope you're doing well as the world opens up again. With a stellar QB class next year, led by C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, I cannot wait for what goes down next draft. For the mailbag, I have a Giants question. Should the Giants, who seem to have a plan under GM Joe Shane, tank one more year to try and snag a top QB as Danny Dimes' fifth year was declined? Or should they avoid another tank job under the current roster, risking that it could result in a bad pick and no playoffs? Thanks for the great coverage. Oh, no, thank you, Thomas. Uh, one of our loyal Go Long OG subscribers. He's, he's been with us for a while, so thank you. All right, when it comes to the New York Giants and Daniel Jones, I think actions speak louder than words, right? I mean, Brian Dayball, Joe Shane, they're not going to sit at a podium and admit that, hey, we're, we're looking ahead to next year's draft. He's not our guy. This is just a, a rental at quarterback in Daniel Jones. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to try everything in their power to make this work. I, I do take them at their word when they say that. I mean, they, they, they want to give Daniel Jones, a former first-round pick, every opportunity. This is somebody who clocked in as the fastest quarterback in the open field, obviously in the famous play where he tripped over himself at the end of an 80-yard run, but faster than Lamar Jackson. He threw a pretty darn good deep ball a couple of years ago. There, there's some, some stuff in there that gets you a little excited. Um, but he also turns the ball over at an insane rate. He's been injured constantly. And he's just kind of been okay. You know, I, I thought that I, an NFL, we'll call him an NFC executive, high, high up in a front office recently, kind of put it best when it comes to Daniel Jones. This was in part two of our uh, autopsy series on the Giants. 
you know, most quarterbacks at some point, high school to college to the pros, were, they, they were a star, right? They were unstoppable. They put up juggernaut numbers. They were in high, high, high demand, at, at least at the high school level. Um, you know, that's why Kyler Murray, you know, with Arizona, as he put, yeah, he it hasn't always been pretty, but you've seen it. You saw him win the Heisman at Oklahoma. You know that that switch is somewhere inside Kyler Murray where, boom, he turns it on and, and you know, he is just spastically zigging and zagging all over the field, making plays, doing stuff not many humans on the planet can do. That was never Daniel Jones. You know, out of high school, not a lot of schools really wanted him. You know, Princeton sort of kind of lands at Duke and works his way in there. And hey, to his credit, he, he became the starter and won some games and put up okay numbers. But that he was, what, above average in college in the ACC. Nothing, nothing too excellent. Nothing that was having scouts, you know, en masse going to Duke <laughs> to see what he had to offer. Um and Dave Gettleman, it was a strange, strange process that led to that draft pick. Again, check check out the series if you missed it. But you know the scouts on staff, they didn't really know what Dave Gettleman thought about Daniel Jones. They they'd go around the room and when to talk about different prospects. And when it came to Daniel Jones, he took in everybody's opinion and he said, "This is a um, a scout that I talked to that was in that room." Quote: Dave was like. I'm still doing, I'm still doing some work. I'm still do. I'm still working on him, but I'm listening to all you guys. I hear what you're saying, but I'm still doing work. He added, it stayed like that. I was like, man, I wonder what he feels. I never got to hear that until he talked after we picked him. Generally, it's always an inclusive process. That was one where I'll keep this one close to the best until the time comes. And that was what a scout said. And in, in the room, I think, everybody outside of that inner circle, whatever that inner circle entailed, didn't, didn't really know what he thought until he stood there at the podium and said he fell in full bloom love with Daniel Jones at the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama, the senior bowl. Um, and it's one thing to fall in love with a guy at the senior bowl week, but the game, which really doesn't mean a hell of a lot, a lot of scouts get the heck out of there to, to, to fall in love with a guy then is very odd. It's, it's such a minuscule part of the draft evaluation. When you throw in the combine, you throw in workouts, you, visits, um, anything and everything that goes into drafting a player, uh, your, your research, talking to everybody who knows that prospect. I, it, for, for that to be when uh, you fall in love with a, a quarterback. It is, it is kind of saying, I love you on the first date. It, it, it's strange. So I, I don't think it, we should be shocked. I mean, Dave Gettleman, this is a pattern uh, again and again and again, as his decisions were unbelievably alarming, this being one of them. So even the way that this quarterback who never really was highly sought after, who never just starred on the field and popped, and there was never this one element of his game that, was just scintillating that, that you needed to have in your offense and that made you want to hit play again and again and again. You never really had that to him. I think what they saw, and this probably starts right at the top with ownership, is another Eli Manning. I mean, they were coached by the same person, Dave Cutcliffe, in college. I, I think that that relationship went a long, long way and that they saw this as a bridge. Eli Manning was still around, as you may recall. Probably 
you know, isn't going to, isn't going to be that. It's always going to be hard to move on from a hall of fame level quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback to anybody else, but they probably thought that this was about as smooth as you could ask for. You bring in somebody with the same coach, who's kind of the same quarterback. You can talk yourself into it. You know, his demeanor kind of being steely, calm, cool, collected. I, I get it. He's got enough in there where you can talk yourself into it. But that was their big bet. At this point, we do kind of know what Daniel Jones is. And, and you're talking to somebody who was all, all in last year little too all in on Daniel Jones because I was looking at the speed. I was looking at the deep ball accuracy and the, the moves that they made last off season, Kenny Galladay bringing him in as a, as a true bona fide number one at a healthy Saquon Barkley. You, you could talk yourself into it, but the line was not good to put it lightly. Uh, obviously he only played 11 games. So that was the issue again. They shut him down at the end of the year. But the numbers just have been average. Three years in, he's won 12 games, lost 25, completed 62.8% of his passes, um, tick over 8,000 yards, 45 touchdowns, 29 interceptions. He's been sacked 105 times in, what is that, 36 games. That's quite a bit. A sack rate of 7.6%. And... Um, he just turns the ball over too much. Just a ton of fumbles that you've got 36 fumbles in three years. And as a rookie, of course, he had the 19 and 13 games. That's, it's not going to fly in, in a Brian Dayball offense. I mean, he's not, I mean, no offensive coordinator wants a quarterback who turns the ball over, but they, they, they know what they're inheriting here. They know that this is somebody with a propensity to give the ball to the other team who has struggled to stay healthy who does have enough talent to warrant this last year on his contract without picking up that fifth year option? I thought that they handled it perfectly given the options at the position, because I mean, you're not going to get fired if Daniel Jones doesn't work out. If you're Brian Dable and Joe Shane, he's not your guy. He's not your quarterback. You're going to have time from John Mara. He, he isn't going to want to move on to another coach right away it was hard enough for him to move on from Joe judge. If they didn't fall flat on their face, those last three, four weeks of the season, I mean, Joe judge doesn't only stick around as head coach. He's probably more empowered. I mean, they promote from within with Kevin Abrams, uh, you know, the cap strategist basically behind the scenes who by all accounts is great to work with in an environment where there's people not like that. So that, that, that does mean something, but he's a, he's a numbers guy. He, he's not out on the road scouting like a Joe Shane was. I mean, Joe Shane, when he was the assistant GM in Buffalo, he's living out of the Marriott. He, he is he is at game after game after game. He had such an important role in the pursuit of Josh Allen. So that kind of gets us to Thomas's question here, right? So Daniel Jones, you've got him for one year. You know he can do some things well. You put in your playbook. You tweak it. You rework it. You rewire it to the things that he does best as well, as, as Brian Dayball said. Hey, who knows? Maybe Saquon Barkley, this is the year. <laughs> this is the year he stays healthy and dominates and is the transcendent back that Dave Gettleman dreamt of and Chris Pettit, director of college scouting, who has since been fired, dreamt of all along. You know, if, if, the, if the stars align and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants compete for a division title, that, that's a good problem to have if you're the Giants. It's a good problem to have if you're going to next year still wondering if Daniel Jones 
could be your long-term answer at quarterback. They start one and six. If Jones is throwing picks, fumbling the ball, if it's clear you're not going to be competing for anything anytime soon, I think the Giants kind of do what they did this offseason, but then really ramp it up a notch. And you're just selling off assets. You're seeing what you can get for anybody on your roster. Heck, you probably give the ball to Tyrod Taylor. I think that we're absolutely going to see Tyrod Taylor at some point this season. Um, talk about the a quarterback who has had the worst luck out of any quarterback I've seen in my lifetime. My God, from getting benched for Nathan Peterman by Sean McDermott the year that the drought ends to going to Cleveland, being the starter, having some promise, getting hurt. Baker Mayfield comes in. You don't get that job back. Los Angeles Chargers, you get stabbed in the lung by your own team doctor. Isn't that great? Um, unbelievable what Tyrod Taylor's been through. And I, I, you're, you're hard-pressed to meet a more competitive individual in pro football than Tyrod Taylor. Like, he's not, he's not perfect. I mean, there's a reason he's kind of been on this journeyman path, but it's also been with the worst luck imaginable. And I, I think that he's somebody that you just – you want in your building, and he's somebody that, yeah, he's a backup quarterback, but – and then Jim Monas would attest to this as well. He, he obviously saw Tyrod day in and day out. I know him somewhat well from talking over the years. He's, he's not going to just hand over the starting job and, and idly sit by and hold that clipboard with a smile on his face. I mean, he'll be the first one in the building throwing the dumbbells around. He's going to do everything as far to get on the field, win that job, keep that job. The second he gets an opportunity, I think, I, I think we're bound to see Tyrod Taylor at some point. And who knows what the Giants were trying to do behind the scenes. I know Jim on a previous podcast here thought it would be a wise move for them to trade Daniel Jones on the draft. He thought we might see it. Maybe they tried. Who knows? I just think that, you know, they're going to do, Joe Shane will do what he and Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills did ahead of the 2018 draft. So as you may recall, Everybody knew that that class was going to be loaded. I mean, hell, Doug Whaley and Jim Monas knew when they were at Temple Restaurant with Terry and Kim Pagula. It would have been the fall of 2016. So Rex is still the head coach. And they're just kind of letting them know, look, yeah, there's the 17 quarterback draft class, but 18 is the year when you've got Lamar Jackson and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, that it was just kind of known a year in advance that that was going to be a, a highly coveted class. And then lo and behold, Patrick Mahomes just blows up at Texas tech when the rest of the world is really unsure about him. Obviously the bills owner, Terry Pagula loved him and they still get to draft day with Sean McDermott has the final say they decide to trade out of that pick get a first for next year, and then they end up using that first to move up and end up getting a quarterback in that said coveted draft class of 2018. Of course, by then, Whaley and Monas were gone. But you have to give Brandon Bean and Joe Shane credit for how they went about that draft process. They, they got to know Josh Allen on a level other scouts and other GMs did not. It was easy, right? I mean, it was easy to look at Josh Allen's stats in college. Let's just pull it up here again. Should be at the tip of our tongues by now, right? So at Wyoming, right, he has the the big 2016 season. 
is what really helped get him on the map. So yeah, 28 touchdowns over 3000 yards with Wyoming. And then that's when they lost a lot of starters on offense, Just a little rougher in 2017 completing only 56% of his passes. So you're thinking that this is a innate trait. Um, if we're going to compare it to nature, nurture accuracy, as we all have been told for decades upon de- decades is nature. You either have it or you don't. Um, they knew that he would work. They knew that he was the type of personality that would link up with a guy like Jordan Palmer out West and refine his mechanics. I mean, really the, the, the ball placement, the footwork, everything changed. It's, it's really not unlike what Aaron Rodgers did coming out of Cal, you know, a friend of Josh Allen's where you remember where Aaron Rodgers held the ball way up high above his right ear, that Jeff Tedford system. And you're talking about quarterbacks who have failed out of that system. Joey Harrington, Kyle Bowler, big numbers in college, did nothing in the pros. So I think that scared off teams as well. Like, is this something that he can just get out of his system and and change? Obviously he did. Obviously he had more time to do it, but Josh Allen kind of did the same sort of stuff, you know, at, hyper speed. And I think that Brian Dayball absolutely had a massive, massive part of that development. He was with him every day when it came to football in Orchard Park, New York, he put in a system that was best for Josh Allen. And it's a system that I think really was willing to be rewired on the fly. I mean, think back to just this last season, things weren't going well for this bill's offense, this bill's team. I mean, they get shellacked by the Indianapolis Colts at home. I mean, really, they they looked like a soft football team that day that had no business being in the playoffs, no business thinking about anything. Um, and then they beat the New York the, the New Orleans Saints' you know, JV team probably doesn't do it justice. That was more of a sixth or seventh grade modified squad on Thanksgiving. I mean, they were just missing everybody. So you beat them, but then you come back home and a team that throws the ball three times beats you, this team was in a bad place. And and that was when also, you know, the head coach is heavily criticizing your offense publicly. And that did take people on the offensive staff by surprise that Sean McDermott kind of, and and if we're grading it on a sliding scale, his criticism to reporters out of that game, it was scathing, scathing compared to, to what we've seen and heard from him in the past. And and it surprised his fellow coaches. Um, but what happened? Well, they get down against Tampa Bay. They almost come back. They blow out Carolina. They blow out New England. They beat Atlanta. They beat the Jets. And they did all of that with kind of Josh Allen evolving late in the season. I'm going to pull up his numbers here. Gosh, yeah, you look at the, that final stretch of the season – he ran for 109 yards, 109 yards against New England. I'm sorry, 109 yards against Tampa Bay. The next week against Carolina, didn't run quite as much, but threw three touch, touchdowns. The New England game, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. 314 passing yards, three touchdowns, 12 rushing attempts for 64 yards. Atlanta. It's ugly, right? I mean, he was 11 to 26, kind of looked like old Wyoming Josh Allen. Three picks. Atlanta had every chance to kind of get a big lead in that first half. Weren't, weren't able to do it. But he did run for 81 yards and two scores. 
Then that last game against the Jets, which kind of was a cold, windy game itself, he had another 63 rushing yards. So I think you just kind of saw the offense change. There were more designed runs. He's been able to adapt, adjust as a coach, as a play caller. They know what they're looking for in this 2023 class. And we're not going to sit here and pen 2023 mocks for all of our amusement. Hell, I'm like all of you. I don't know. I mean, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, we saw what they did in college last year. They look unbelievably talented. So there's those two, but if, if you read into it from what the, the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShaves of the world are telling you, there's some other quarterbacks as well. I mean, there's going to be some options for the New York Giants. So they're going to go for it. I don't see them tanking. Look, the, when the Bills got Josh Allen, they ended the playoff drought the year before. They went 17 years without the playoffs and basically were trading away assets, right? Ronald Darby, see ya. Sammy Watkins, see ya. Um, Rick Dennison was the offensive coordinator that season. Let that sink in for a minute. You know, David Culley's kicking around. It's not, not a lot of playmakers. I mean, you're talking Kelvin Benjamin. Um, not sure what, what his weight was stepping on the scale, but I'm sure it wasn't very pretty. Zay Jones was the best of the bunch, but, you know, he was a rookie. Uh De- I want to say Deontay Thompson. Um, not a heck of a lot. Isaiah McKenzie. Our old pal Isaiah from uh, from the show here at the site. Came midseason. I mean, and he was kind of a featured guy in some games. Uh, so they, they made the playoffs. And they weren't going to apologize for that. They were trying to win. They were trying to, you know, change the way people think in the building. So that's what the Giants are going to try to do. I mean, they're going to try to win with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and what they have, you know, in-house. It's it's not going to be easy. I mean, they've had to let some good players go. James Bradbury, I'm, I'm sure they don't want to let James Bradbury walk out the building. Maybe they should have done everything in their power to keep Bradbury because he's so good. But they didn't. Um, if somehow, some way, this is a roster that can get you to – Nine, 10 wins. I mean, hey, maybe Kadarius Tony all of a sudden is a roaming chess piece in Dayball's offense. Uh, Wandale Robinson, they drafted him. That was a controversial draft pick. Maybe he clicks in this in this scheme. Um, you know, if they lose Saquon Barkley, there's not a hell of a lot going on. I'll say that. You know, Matt Breida, Antonio Williams, they need him to stay healthy. This is definitely a long-term play with a short-term try to win, see what happens. And if they do win, and if their draft pick is in the, let's say, 15, 16, 17, I think that they would try to do what they did, or Joe Shane would try to do what he and Brandon Bean did when they somehow moved up into the number seven slot and took Josh Allen. You know, they had the ammo from the Chiefs trade when they – when the Bills passed on Patrick Mahomes, but gained a first, they had that ammo to move up. And let's not forget, they gave up a hell of a lot to get Tremaine Edmonds too. So, and that's a linebacker's future that's very much up in the air. But they, you, you had that ability to move up because of those picks. We'll see what they're able to do pick-wise when it gets to that point. Maybe if the ship is sinking, you are able to move some of your talented players for some picks because we've seen it. I mean, with the Los Angeles Rams just did this past year and Hey, I, I still think that they did win some with them with some homegrown players. You're talking about Aaron Donald and Cooper cup, making the plays of the game. That's who won that game. It wasn't 
trading away all your first round picks for players that, that won it. But you're going to see teams attempt to do what the Rams did once you get closer to that trade deadline. And so if you're the Giants, if you're if the ship is sinking, but Saquon Barkley, hey, say he's looking like a 1,200 yard back and you know there's a contender out there that could really use him. Who knows? Maybe maybe the light bulb turns on for a Kenny Galladay. I, Kadarius Tony is, is showing some promise. You you might be able to get some assets for some players, and then maybe that's the ammo that does allow you to move from the middle of the pack up into that top tier for a quarterback. My point is, I don't think that I don't think that Joe Shane and the Giants are even thinking about where they're drafting next year. They're going to try to win first and foremost with what they have, and then when it gets to that point, they're going to have a handle of that quarterback class, like they had a handle of Josh Allen, where and, and Matthew Fairburn, who we had in the podcast, you guys heard him. Um, a week or two ago, I, I loved his point that he made where a lot of people kind of saw Josh Allen as somewhat of a quote unquote dork, <laughs> you know, someone who was maybe nervous and a little, a little odd. The bills found a lot of that endearing. They, 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 they knew he was nervous the first time they talked to him, but they kind of saw him grow and mature through their own process pre-draft with him and all those conversations. And they saw somebody that would bust his ass to improve that accuracy who is that quarterback next year for the New York Giants? It's, it could be somebody out there. And just know that they know that they're not tied to their current quarterback. They absolutely are not tied. They're going to say all the right things at the podium. It's going to sound really good. But unless Daniel Jones is just an outright, all-pro, Pro Bowl-level stud that stays healthy and blows up, I think that they're absolutely looking for a new quarterback. I mean, they told us. They didn't pick up the option. Um it's going to be a fascinating team, and I know that we welcomed on a, a huge surge of Giants readers uh, with our series in late December, the autopsy, and thank you so much if you're listening and you were somebody who joined Go Long back then. I just want you to know that we're going to get back to your New York Giants. I'm chipping away at a story on Kayvon Thibodeau, so be on the lookout for that. It will only be for subscribers really getting to know their top pick, a, an edge rusher who, hey, you saw Bob's series. There's there's a lot of question marks about what he's going to bring you day in and day out with the interests he has off the field, um, the ties to Nike and Phil Knight and NIL stuff. And is is that going to kind of cloud and interfere with his ability to just fly off the edge and change games? That's your pass rusher. I've been asking uh, people close to Kayvon Thibodeau what what they think down those lines. Think you'll think you'll enjoy it, whether you're a Giants fan or not. It's been really interesting. All right, I think that's gonna do it. So that was, I guess you could call it like our first mailbag in the podcast form. Just hit on one of the questions if you want to get everything. Like I said, uh, subscribe to go along. We would absolutely love to have you on board. It's been so great meeting people all over the place from got Canada to Ireland to London to Singapore, Australia, Japan, and then, of course, here in the great USA. Uh, it's just awesome to see this community go. It's, it's humbling. I, I love meeting people from all over the place. So uh, be sure to shoot me an email if you'd like, and we'll uh, pick up another one of these mailbags next week if there's interest. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Go Long podcast. We'll catch you very soon. <laughs>